Thank you so much for that warm welcome. I can't fully express to you how grateful I am to be up here and to be back up here. If we haven't met, my name is Daniel. I'll be coming on as associate pastor here, and I'm extremely excited for that role. I started on the church uh, full-time ministry back in August of 2018. I was helping out with the youth. Then I started getting sick shortly after that, and I'll talk a little bit about that. But I started getting sick, and then January, February of 2020, I had to go on medical leave, had to stop doing ministry. And this will be my first time back. I'm really excited about that. I want to make a quick announcement. In February and March, I'll be doing a testimonial series. It won't be on the weekend. It'll be on Thursdays. It'll be about three or four weeks long. I'm not exactly sure how long yet. Not all the details have been nailed down. But it'll be... Uh, It'll be a testimonial series about everything that kind of happened in, through that sickness and, and what God was doing during that time. Um, so I highly encourage you to come. There will be something for everybody, whether somebody's never heard about God before, if you've been coming for a long time. I'll talk about baptism and the Holy Spirit, mental illness, lots of different stuff. Um, so I highly recommend if you can come to that in February and March. And we'll have announcements closer to that time. Today, I'll be talking about, in light of Thanksgiving, I'll be talking about being thankful through the trial. It'll be the title of today's sermon, Being Thankful Through the Trial. Thanksgiving is a reminder to be grateful. However, don't think of giving thanks every year. Think of giving thanks every day. I always had it backwards, I think. And I would have something bad happen, and then I would pray for deliverance. I would have the good thing happen. God would come through, and then I would give thanks. And that's a good time to give thanks, but I believe that in Scripture, and, and I will show through my life as well, that I believe God calls us to be thankful through the trial, that whatever's going on, despite the circumstances, before your breakthrough, before your healing, I believe we're called to be grateful and to give thanks and praise to God. So that's what we'll be talking about today. I'll go through a few scriptures, some classic Sunday school stories, and then I'll give a personal testimony, a very brief one, as short as I can make it at the end of it. So we're going to start with a classic Sunday school story of Jonah. This story takes place in the Old Testament, so that means it'll be before the time of Jesus. We'll start in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Keep going, verse 2. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now we have this guy named Jonah, okay, and he's called by God. God calls him to go to the city of Nineveh. Now, the city of Nineveh is a wicked city. It's very sinful. It's outside of the will of God. It's not doing well. And so God calls Jonah to go preach there, call them to repentance. And what does Jonah do? He runs away. Jonah ran away from the Lord. Now, I always thought that was funny, thinking about that as a kid. I grew up in Sunday school class, and hearing that, how do you run away from God, right? God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. Jonah decides to run away, and I would assume that would mean geographically went in the opposite direction of Nineveh. He runs away. He goes for a ship. He boards a ship. He pays the fare, and he goes aboard, sailed for Tarshish. Let's go to verse 4. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. So now Jonah is running away from his call. God has called him. He doesn't want to do it for whatever reason. And the Lord sends a great wind on the sea. He boards this boat. And I love the words here that it threatens to break up the ship. It's an interesting word picture. The storm is so great that the the ship is threatening to collapse. Let's go to verse five. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. So the sailors were afraid, of course, and we see a couple of their responses. Each cried out to his own God. I don't know how many religions would have been 
represented on this boat, and it was probably a fair number of people, a fair number of religions. Second thing we see them do, they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. So the storm is great. They need to lighten the ship to make sure that they don't sink. They cry out to their gods. They lighten the ship. Now what's Jonah doing? All the chaos, everybody's afraid, trying to do whatever they can, call on God, lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Now, I think that's so funny because it's not just a sleep. Like he's getting deep sleep. He's getting that good REM sleep. Like he is so far away from God. He is so careless about life now that as tragic as the scenario is, as difficult as it is in the middle of the storm, he's getting down and getting into a deep sleep. Let's go to verse six. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. So the crew is panicking. The crew is scared. The ship is breaking up. And I find this so interesting because we saw in the previous verse, the response was to lighten the load of the ship and to call on each their own God. Now, when the captain goes to him, he says, how can you sleep? Which is a great question. And then he says, get up, not to lessen the cargo on the ship, but go call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us that we will not perish. See, I think they were calling on their gods and seeing that it wasn't working. Whoever they were calling upon, whatever religions at the time they were following, they call on their gods and it wasn't working. So they go down to him not to say, hey, come help us out. We need to lighten the ship. They go down and say, hey, call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us that we will not perish. Verse seven, then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. If you don't know what casting lots is, it's like drawing straws, flipping a coin, something like that. And in this time, they would do it in sort of a spiritual sense. They believed that if they did it, it would actually fall on the right person. So they cast lots to see who is responsible for this storm happening. And they cast the lots and God decides to honor that. And the lot fell on Jonah, verse eight. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? Verse nine, he answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. So the lot gets cast on Jonah and they ask him, hey, what's going on? Why is this storm happening? Why are we all in danger because of you? And so he tells them that he serves the Hebrew God and this terrifies them. Now, I don't know if he had told them that he followed Zeus or some other religion, if that would have terrified them less, but this terrifies them that it was the Hebrew God and so they, they, they were terrified and they asked him, what have you done? They already knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. I believe when he paid the fare, he probably told them, hey, I'm, you know, hey, why are you coming? He says, hey, I'm running away from God. And then they find out it's the Hebrew God and they were like, what are you thinking? Verse 11, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Verse 12, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. So he tells them, hey, it's the Hebrew God that I serve and that I'm running away from God. And so then they're like, hey, what do we need to do to you to make this stop? And he answers them honestly. I don't know about you, but I might make up a lie right about then. You need to give me the finest bread you have on the ship or something. I don't know. Throw me into the sea. I don't know if he has a death wish or if he just really doesn't want to go to Nineveh that badly that he would rather be thrown into the sea or if he's actually starting to become repentant at this time. I'm, I'm not really sure. Pick me up and throw me into the sea. In the previous verse, it said that the sea was growing 
it was raging more and more. It was getting worse and worse as all this time went on. Let's go to verse 13. So the men hear this. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. So see, the men were terrified. The crew were terrified of God. Same God we serve. They were terrified. So instead of throwing him into the sea, I think they're worried that if they throw him into the sea, that, that God might get angry at them too. So instead, the men did their best to row back to land through this big storm, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. We see a couple more verses where the sea just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Verse 14, then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you please. So in this verse, we see now they've rowed, they've tried on their own, and finally they're like, all right, we'll throw this guy into the sea, but they make a prayer, Lord, please do not hold us accountable for this. We know this is what this guy said. We don't want to make you angry. Verse 15, then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. So they throw him overboard. The sea grows calm. The storm stops. The ship isn't breaking up anymore. And God is so crazy, isn't he? Because he takes Jonah's rebellion. He takes his cowardice, his unresponse to the call, and he makes that situation and turns it to all the people on the crew getting saved. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. It's crazy how God can take a terrible scenario and turn it for good. Verse 17, Jonah's in the water now. Now the Lord, I, I love how this, is, how this is phrased. The Lord provides, amen. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Let me set the stage for you. Jonah gets called. He runs away from God, boards a boat. Storm hits the boat. He's in a deep sleep, gets woken up, tells him how to get rid of them and get rid of the storm. And so they throw them into the water. Now, storms can be scary. You're on the boat in the middle of the water and it's a raging sea. That's scary. If you get thrown into that raging sea, imagine the fear he would have being tossed about in the waves. I don't know at what point it grew calm. And then he's sinking in into the water and he sees a large, dark creature come and swallow him up. That's scary. I don't know what Jonah was feeling, but he gets swallowed up by this fish and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. That's a long time to be inside a fish. I've never been inside a fish before, but what does that smell like? <laughs> I don't know how much room he had, what other creatures it was eating or whatever, but that can't have been too comfortable. And I don't know about you, but if I'm in the belly of the fish, I'm about, I'm about to give up. I'm not keeping, you know, I don't know how optimistic you guys are, but... If I've been eaten, I think it's about time to give up hope. <laughs> He's in the belly of the fish, and let's see his response in chapter 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. This is inside the fish. This is not a prayer made afterwards. This is not a prayer after he gets some deliverance, after God comes through. This is a prayer Jonah makes before, inside the belly of the fish. When I would give up hope. This is what he's praying. Verse two, he said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight 
Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Verse 9, and this is the kicker. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good, I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Verse 10, and the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm giving up hope in the middle of the fish. And Jonah, he doesn't just pray for deliverance. He doesn't just pray for God to come through for him so that he could go back onto dry land. He prays and he gives shouts of thanksgiving to God. Go back to verse 9. Let's read that again. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, and I'm telling you, I've had this backwards for so long that it's after deliverance that I'm thankful. But it's no matter what's going on, whether you've just been eaten by a fish, to give shouts of grateful praise to God. And then after that, the fish vomits him up onto dry land. Probably went to take a shower or something. Boy, if we could do that if instead of being paralyzed by trials, if instead of losing hope, if instead we could still give thanks and mean it, if instead we could still praise God and mean it, think about how that could change all of our lives. Of course, that's difficult to do. Let's go to another story. Let's go to Matthew 26. Let me give you the context of what's happening here. This is in the time of Jesus. Jesus come down. He, he's been born as a human and walking around and did his three years of earthly ministry. And this is the last supper. You may have heard that before. It's where we get communion when we take the little wafer in the cup and we take that the first month, uh, first weekend of every month here at Good Hope. That's where we get that is from this, Jesus doing this the first time. And this is the last supper. And what that means is it's his last time he's going to eat with his disciples before he's crucified, before he feels separation from the father, before he bears our sin before he's betrayed by Judas. This is a heavy moment. This isn't just some normal dinner, some regular supper. This is an important moment. He's about to go to the cross. Let's read verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Verse 27. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Verse 29. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Jesus comes down to the earth and you got to understand that when the God of the universe is born into this world, it would be disrespectful enough if he was born into royalty, if he was born as a king, but instead he's born poor. He's born into poverty. He's born in a barn. And when he shows up, we just reject him. The people he's called reject him, the God of the universe. And when he's eating this bread and taking this cup, he knows how difficult this is about to be. He's about to go through excruciating pain, excruciating pain on the cross. He's about to be whipped and beaten. He's about to be separated from the father. I don't know if you've borne the, 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 the weight of sin and shame before of your own guilt when you've done something wrong, if you've felt that weight, but he's about to feel that that weight of all the billions of people all on him at once. He's about to bear that. Later in a verse, it says that he's sorrowful to the point of death. 
He's fully understanding what's about to happen. He's fully feeling the weight of this. He's fully feeling the weight of death. But the crazy thing about these verses is he's not just feeling the weight of death. He's feeling the weight of gratitude. And that's so crazy to me because when he takes this bread and when he had given thanks, he says, take and eat, this is my body. It's not just, oh, bless the hands that prepared it. Give them a hedge and whatever. This is him saying, I'm saying, thank you, God, that I'm going to the cross because it means the forgiveness of many sins. He's taking this cup and he's saying, bless this. Thank you, God, because this blood poured out is for the forgiveness of many sins so that he can be with you and for me and with me. That's crazy to me. Jesus before the cross giving thanks. It's not just for some any old bread. It's for bread that signifies the broken body, for his blood poured out. Boy, if Jonah can give thanks in the middle of a a fish, you may have heard a whale before. I don't know what kind of animal it was. If Jesus, the God of the universe, can give thanks before the cross, I think we better give thanks after our deliverance, but I think we better give thanks before it too. This is important. If Jesus did it, we better do it. Before the cross, I'll list off a couple more stories. I I can't read them all today. We don't have enough time. In Daniel chapter six, that's the classic Daniel in the lion's den story. You may have heard it before. He gives thanks before he goes in the lion's den, just as he had always done. Praise and gives thanks. Acts 27, 35, the apostle Paul boards a boat. They get hit in a storm and he gives thanks on the boat. Matthew 14, 19, Jesus gives thanks before the feeding of the 5,000. He only has a couple pieces of food and God multiplies it. And he gives thanks before God multiplies it. It's layered throughout the Bible that we shouldn't just wait We shouldn't just get delivered and then give thanks. We should do that too. But no matter what's going on, we need to give thanks right now in this moment, whatever you've come in with. Let me give you a personal testimony. As I said in the beginning, I started full-time ministry here at Good Hope in August of 2018. There will be a lot of dates, so if you you don't follow along, that's all right. Two months later, in October of 2018, I started feeling more tired. I started feeling weird. I I was so so confused. I'd I'd wake up and I'd... I needed to sleep more, and, and after I would sleep, I'd wake up, and it's like I was looking at life through, through foggy glasses, but, but my vision was fine. It was like I just had this weird kind of brain fog. It, everything just kind of seemed different. I, I can't quite explain it to you, but I, 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 felt, I started feeling so weird. I started feeling sick. I had less energy. I needed to sleep more. But I'd go through my day and I'd, I'd still do all my activities and, and then I'd go through the next day and I'd still go through all my activities and the confusion just started to set in of, well, I'm still doing everything. Am I really, am I really sick? I, I don't know what's going on here. I didn't know what to think. I was, I was so confused. My symptoms gradually got worse into 2019. By May 2019, I'd become very depressed, very anxious. Along with that, I, I, I had symptoms of very decreased energy of a brain fog, and I had some symptoms that seemed to come and go. And in May 2019, I, I finally had enough of the depression and anxiety and, and decided to start working on that. And that started to get better. But even though that started to get better, my, I was still very sick. I, I didn't know what to do. And so in November of 2019, it had been about a year of, of being sick, a little over a year. It was the first Monday of the month, and I woke up that day, and I just felt like I'd been hit by a truck. I, I felt horrible. And I'd been gradually getting worse, but then all of a sudden this day, I just took a deep dive. And so I canceled some things. I had some various activities I was going to do. And so I, I canceled them and I was like, okay, if I'm doing this bad, maybe, maybe rest will, will help me recover. Maybe I'll start to get a little better and I can not just stay down here, but I can maybe make some progress back up. So I decided to rest a little bit and 
over the coming days, I just stayed down there and stayed down there and stayed down there and continued to gradually get worse. And then the second Wednesday, I believe it was in January of 2020, I had that same kind of crash. And what I mean by crash is my, my energy decreased significantly. My brain fog got worse. My mental clarity worsened. I had a lot of blocks in my mental thinking. I was able to do much less. And so by that time, it, it was like, okay, I'd been going to the doctor. I'd been doing those things. They hadn't been able to diagnose me. But I was like, okay, it's finally time. I need to take this very seriously. We applied at the Mayo Clinic in January of 2020. They approved. And so I went to the Mayo Clinic in February and March. That's its own story in itself. But very briefly, I went to several different doctors, heart doctor, sleep doctor, um, psychiatrist, whatever, went to all of them and they couldn't diagnose me with anything. One of the best hospitals in the world. And I was left very confused. So in March of 2020, I, I was so lost. I had to stop doing ministry at that time. I um, started my medical leave and it, I describe it this way, that it felt like floating around in space with nothing to grab onto and just going in a direction I, I couldn't choose where. I felt so confused. I felt abandoned by God. I had no diagnosis. I couldn't work. My life slowly became me lying down in my room doing nothing. I would try to make it to church and some activities, but my energy was so low. I'd, I'd pay the price for things like attending church or playing softball or whatever it was. Anything I did had a heavy price to pay. I'll give one example. I, I went to the cities with some friends in that 2020, 2021 time. I forget exactly when it was. And it was fun while I was there. It was, it was neat. I forget exactly what we did. But the next two days after that, in total, I was out of bed for about 10 hours, at most 10 hours, five hours a day. And the other times I was out of bed, I was just lying down on the couch. And during that time, it was, I wouldn't be able to do anything. So I'd have these kind of short-term crashes and then hopefully try to make it back up a little bit. And everything had a price to pay, everything that I did. And it slowly became me just kind of sitting in my room, not able to think. The computer was too much stimulus. My phone was too much stimulus. Everything was too much tax on my energy. I would, I would wear these noise-canceling headphones. Noise was too much stimulus. I'd turn off the lights. Lights were too much stimulus. And I'd just sit there, and, and thinking was oftentimes too much stimulus, so I didn't do that either. And life just didn't make any sense to me. I felt called by God. I'd felt like I'd answered the call, and shortly thereafter, it felt like I was left to hang out to dry, just let to rot alone. I had no concept of giving thankfulness through the trial. I had no concept of worshiping in great difficulty. I would try. I'd go to church and I would try to sing the songs and like we did today. And I would try to try to will them into existence. I'd try to believe them, but I just couldn't do it. It was like as I would sing the songs, it would grate against my soul. I remember we would sing See a Victory, that song, if you if you remember that song, the lyrics are I'm gonna see a victory. And I just thought like, I mean, really, I'm coming here and I'm just going to be super taxed for it and have to go home and do absolutely nothing. Shut the lights off, put on some noise canceling headphones, see a victory. I felt abandoned. The, the stress on my relationship with God was immense during that time. And we'd sing other songs with, I don't want to just pick on that song. It's a fine song, but there were many songs that it was just with themes like that, that it was just difficult to sing. And I try to will them into existence that I was really grateful, that I was really thankful, that I really wanted to worship God, but I just, I just couldn't do it. It was just great against my soul. I just didn't believe it. I don't know how many times I went up for prayer for healing. It was a lot. I can't tell you how many people that have prayed for me separately, apart from me for healing. And I'd gone up enough times. I'd 
I'd worshiped enough times that it was like, I don't, I don't know what to pray anymore. I don't know what to say. Should I pray for healing for the 150th time? Do I just pray for strength right now? Do I, I just had no idea what to even say. I was, I was losing faith, and, and so I decided any time that I had any kind of fear, had any kind of doubt, I decided that I was just going to pray in tongues. I was going to pray in the Spirit. I didn't know what to say, so I decided I'm just going to let I'm just going to let him speak. And I'll wrap this up. I did that for a couple weeks. That was about July 2022, just to give you the timeline. 2020, 2021, I gradually got worse. 2022, I started doing that. I started praying in tongues. And I mean, I prayed in tongues before that, but I started doing it more, taking it more seriously and, um, and doing it whenever I felt that fear, whenever I thought about being sick, anything that didn't mirror God. I started doing that. And so after a couple weeks, it would have been about August of this year, August of 2022, I sat down for a night of worship. I went into my room, pulled up YouTube and looked up a couple songs and put on my headphones. I was in my room, so I just lip synced the song. I didn't want to belt it for everybody else to hear. There are other people in the house. So, so I just lip synced it and wasn't even singing. Sat down for a night of worship, but this time was different. I pulled up Raise a Hallelujah. I started singing that. You may know the song. We sing it here. I started singing like lyrics like, I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. Other lyrics like, I raise a hallelujah. I will watch the darkness flee. Fear you lost your hold on me. And as I sang those words, I can tell you that the presence of God came on me stronger than I've ever felt it before. And what's so bizarre to me is that that was at the point that I was most ill. That was at the point that I was most sick. In my deepest, darkest moment, that's when God encountered me in the largest way. And I continued to sing a lot of different songs. I started singing It Is Well, the the Bethel version. It's based off that old hymn. And that bridge came on, the it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. And normally I would sing those songs and it just grated against my soul because I knew it wasn't true. But I don't know what happened, but in those couple weeks of just praying in tongues like that, something shifted in me. And as I sang those words, it's like I believed it. It's like I sang it and it was true. All the other times when I sang it and I felt defeated, all those other times that I sang it and I knew I was more sick than I'd ever been and I I didn't feel any victory in my soul, but this time it was true. And I don't want to make it more fantastical or, or, or misrepresented. I didn't see a vision, but it felt like heaven and hell were in the room with me. It felt like they were in attendance and they, they both played their cards. They were in a tug of war over me and they were waiting to see my response. This was the pivotal moment of what I would choose. Would I choose faith? Would I, uh, would I choose gratefulness, thankfulness, praise? Or would I lose hope, lose faith, become bitter and jaded? It's like they were watching and And as they were watching, I was proclaiming my decision that it was well. That despite the sickness, despite how horrible it was, despite me not being able to do anything, it was well with my soul. And I don't know what you walked in here with. I don't know how difficult your life may be right now. Life can get really hard, really difficult. But I urge you, be thankful through the trial. Don't wait. If you've been waiting for that, please, please don't wait. Because I almost missed my opportunity. The time that I had the most presence of God was at my sickest, my most ill. And so what I'm telling you today is whatever the circumstance, every trial is an opportunity to meet with God. And so if you're going through something really difficult right now, 
God wants to redeem it. God wants to work through you in it. And I know it's difficult. I know what it's like to sit in those seats and hear these words. Because I would try and it would grate against my soul. But if you can keep going, Jonah wasn't even in the will of God. Jonah was running. You don't have to be right with God right now. No matter where you are, if you've never heard a sermon before, if you've never gone to church before, if you're not saved, if you haven't re-upped with God, if you've strayed, if you followed him for three years and walked away, if you've been following for him for a lifetime, now is your moment to give thanks. Don't miss it. See, I was losing faith. I almost missed my moment. I was about to walk away. Don't miss it. Don't leave this place without giving God another chance. You may feel like you're about to take up your cross or carrying your cross right now for Jesus, or you might feel like you're in rebellion, in the belly of a fish. You might feel like you're in the middle of a storm. What I want you to understand is the more difficult your situation is, the more opportunity there is to meet with God. Every trial is an opportunity to meet with God. And if you give God a real chance, you may end up like me, where God meets you there. And the exciting thing is, is that after that moment, after that worship time with God, the next day I started getting better. And there's so much more to that. If you show up for the testimonial series, I'll talk more about that. There's so many more layers, so much more I could talk about. What if I missed it? What if I hadn't sat down for worship? What if I'd given up? I'd sat down for worship many times before. What was different about that one? I'm pleading with you. If you haven't been feeling God, if you feel like you've tried and it's just, he's not showing up, or if you've already walked away or you've never given him a chance before, this is your moment. Don't leave this place without giving him a chance. Don't miss your moment. I can't tell you if everybody gets healed. I can't tell you if, if you just be grateful, it's just some magic button to getting better or some magic button to your worries going away. But I can tell you that in every sickness, whatever darkness may be coming over you, however difficult it may be, God can bring it to even greater heights. As low as it may be, God can bring it to equally high heights and even higher. If you'd give him a chance and a real chance, not a half-hearted chance, give him a real chance. I'm going to pray. And while I pray, I, I would ask you that if you have something to be thankful for, would you just say it out loud? If you've got something to be thankful for, let's just proclaim that to God. And I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you feel like you're in a storm and you haven't been giving God a fair chance, I'm going to give you an opportunity to raise your hand. I'll loop them all together, re-upping with God, getting saved. If you want to give your life to Christ right now, or if you're just in the middle of the storm and you need an interaction with God, a moment with God, his presence, I'll loop those all together. And so right now, let's pray. If you have something to be thankful for, let's just thank God right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I'm healed. Thank you, Lord, that you encountered me in such a powerful way in my darkest moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I so appreciate you. I so love you. Thank you, Lord, for healing me. I could never, I could never say it enough. Thank you, Lord. I'm so grateful for everything you've done for me. So right now, I just, if any of you need Jesus, if any of you want to say, okay, this is my moment. I want to I wanna follow Jesus. Or maybe you need to just re-up with God. You followed him before and walked away. Or maybe you're in the middle of the storm and you want, you want God to impact you right now. I just want you to raise your hand right now. If you would, just raise your hand and keep your hands up. Okay, you can put your hands down. It was something like 11. There was maybe too many to count. Lord, I just pray for those 11 or however many it even was. Lord God, if it's their first time following you, I just pray that your presence would encounter them so powerfully right now. If they're re-upping with you, Lord God, that this time with you would be more powerful than the last. Lord, and for those that are going through something so difficult, Lord God, I pray that you would encounter them in the most powerful way. Lord God, be with them. Lord, that you would honor, honor their bravery of raising their hand. 
meet with them, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray that as we leave tonight, your anointing would, would be upon us, that we'd walk out of this room changed and we wouldn't just be thankful when things are going well, but we would be thankful through the trial when it's not going well before we're delivered. Let it be, Lord God. Let it be in Jesus' name. Amen.